episode 230 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rayo, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, I am here, deep within the confines of Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, as we are part of the Dorkening Network. And uh, just a reminder that once you go deadly, you don't go back, just so you know. Want to make sure you're aware of that fact. Uh, I am not alone, however. I am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes Von Nightmare. I'm bony, I'm bony, leave me alone. You wiener. (laughs) Welcome to Wienerville. That was the uh, pickup line I used to uh, <laughs> to seduce you. Ah, that's sad. Uh, no, that's not true. That's not true. I am not nearly that smooth. <laughs> no. no. No, you I are am, not. I am not. <laughs> no. Uh, so today we have a very special episode because... Uh, we, we have some very special guests. Yes. We got a chance to uh, watch a screener for the film... Uh, the Orange Years, which is a documentary about the fantastic golden or orange the, years. The, the Orange Years, yes. Of, hence, hence the name. It's kind of witty. Uh, of Nickelodeon. And I was a little concerned because I got this email not to not to the Throwdown Thursday email, which is you know usually when folks reach out to us, they reach out to us at where you can reach out to us if you have uh, show suggestions or you would just want to say hi, throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. No, they reached out to my regular email, and I was concerned that this was a film that had something to do with the current political climate uh, of the past four years, Uh, but I did go ahead and open the email anyways to see what it was, and I'm glad I did because, uh, you know, I think I can speak for pretty much everybody in our audience uh, if you watch TV for, you know, between 1977 and, you know, the last few years, you know, chances are you've got a show on Nickelodeon that is near and dear to you. And that's, um, you know, that's that's true for all of us. And we are uh, delighted to be joined by the directors of The Orange Years coming up later on in the show. And uh, I'm very excited because after watching this documentary... It's like, oh, man, I forgot that show was on. Or I forgot about this show because it's something that I haven't thought of in 10, 15, 20 years. Well, I mean, not even the shows that were included. How Nickelodeon came up with the iconic logo Mm -hmm. and how it was kind of like this living logo and what the logo was inspired by, which was really relevant for that time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously we'll get into that with, with the directors later, but we thought that you know considering that this brought up so much uh so many memories and, and so much it's a uh, emotion. great little slice of nostalgia yeah and you know it it made me think of you know all these shows again that like i hadn't seen in years or i haven't watched in a long time um so ashes and i thought that for our getting into character question we should talk about some of our favorite nickelodeon shows mm-hmm. and i'm going to start off because I've told the story many, 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 many times on this show that my parents were not uh, a big fan of letting me watch The Simpsons because they thought Bart was a bad influence and, you know, they didn't like how dumb Homer was. 
And it's funny because we could watch as much Nickelodeon as we want. So shit like Ren and Stimpy, that was perfectly fine. Rocco's Modern Life, perfectly fine. Like, And there's a lot of gross and dark humor uh, that goes along with those shows. And that's part of the reason why I loved it. It was almost like, you know, being able to, you know, watch something... You know, it's like, oh, it's it's like when you're young and your parents are like, oh, here, try this beer or here, try this wine. You know, it's they're active. They know something is, uh, you know, they're giving you something that they know isn't exactly the best for you. But in this case, they are under the impression that, oh, it's Nickelodeon. It's kid stuff. Everything on it is perfectly fine. And uh, in that case, uh, those two shows definitely were not the same level of kid-friendly that they thought they were. Well, I think it offered something different for kids to watch. So one of the things I loved about Nickelodeon was that it was all-encompassing for every age range. You could find something to watch on Nickelodeon. So the younger kids had Nick Jr. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was started early on and kind of evolved into the Nick Jr. that my sister watched growing up Mm -hmm. and then evolved even further once, you know, she was done with Nick Jr. and had moved on to watching something else. And they had Snick, Saturday Night Nick, where you sat down on the big orange couch and it was almost like, um, kind of like TGIF. Yeah. On Saturdays for Nickelodeon shows. They basically, they did what so many other networks did, where they they was, centered their programming at certain times and targeted it towards a specific right. audience. So, you know, everything, uh, it, it was on a little bit later yeah, it was like eight than to typical 10. Nickelodeon programming, because after a certain time, it became Nick at Night during the week. Yeah, after, after 10 o'clock. You know, so it was on a little bit later, and you had shows like All That, which was kind of like the kids' version of SNL, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Roundhouse, Are You Afraid of the Dark?, Secret World of Alex Mack. I think there was well, another one. They had they had uh, all that, which was like an hour long, or sometimes half an hour. But that would in, it would then it would roll into uh, Kablam. Oh yeah, Kablam and was then, a thing for a while too. Because that was a little more grown up. And then nine thirty to ten, that, that was, was Are You, you afraid, afraid of the, of the dark? dark? Because that again, there were. It's like okay, you know, we have all that, and that's like an all ages show. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. And then, you know, normally it's like, all right, younger kids are going to bed around nine. So, okay, you know, they're going to bed at nine. Now we can start doing the older kid stuff. And then 9.30 to 10, that was the more grown-up show. Yeah, but it was such a brilliant way to market it because it was still programming aimed at kids but they did a really excellent job you know like snick was kind of like for the kids who were right around mtv watching yeah around age 12 to you know and it was just it was so well done and i loved it so you know i remember a little bit of the nick jr days watching eureka's castle mm-hmm. on nick jr um, or like early morning Nickelodeon, whatever it was called back then. I still, fun fact, Pizza Hut used to do like character puppets, these plastic puppets for different things. And I have the puppets for The Land Before Time. 
I still have some of them. And I have some Eureka's Castle Pizza Hut puppets somewhere. Pizza Try puppet. saying that 10 times fast. That, 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 Pe- that, that, no, no that, not that. that. Pizza Hut puppet. Pizza puppet. Um, um, but yeah, so. See, and you and I have a different recollection again. See, this is, again, why this show dynamic works so well, because we have about five years between us. So, you know, you're 12, 13, I'm turning 17, 18, so my taste in shows is going to be different. You know, when I'm, you know, I remember babysitting my cousins on Saturday nights, and I would go and we would watch Snick. Like, they'd get ready for bed and do all that, and then we'd watch Snick, and then they'd go to bed, and then I'd watch Cinemax. So, because um, I was like 14, 15, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm 14, 15, and I'm watching those shows. You're nine, ten. So your your uh, your recollection of that same time period is going to be different. Like you were going to be in, into different shows, but I remember watching shows back when. Like two of my favorite shows, uh, Danger Mouse, Danger and Mouse, Count Ducula. I love Count Ducula. See, I I don't I remember Danger Mouse. I don't remember Count Ducula, but I do remember. Um, I loved Clarissa Explains It All. I had a thing for uh, Melissa Joan Hart. She was so cool. I mean, everybody like, did. She yeah. was the girl that you wanted to be friends with. Like, I wanted to be friends with her so bad. She was just, it was, like, everything about her was just so freaking cool. Um, and then the game shows. Oh, I love Double Dare. Double Dare was amazing. Legends of the Hidden Temple. You know, Guts. Guts. I had a thing for Mo Quirk. But again, who didn't? You were like, ooh, a British lady on TV. How exotic. <laughs> you know. But again, that was before every single show, no matter what they're doing, everybody's British. Like, mm-hmm. I get shows like The Crown, because it takes place in England. But like, even the fantasy shows, like Game of Thrones, everyone is British. Everybody. Like... How I, why, like why does everyone have a British accent? Like we've already determined that everyone's got different, you know, uh, languages. They should have different accents, like the rest of the world in real life. But yeah, that was a weird thing. It was like, oh, she's cute and she's British. That's so like again, that was considered exotic. I also really liked Wild and Crazy Kids. Never saw it. I don't even know what that is. So it was obviously uh, almost like um, field day at school type of of athletic competition game show. And like, you know, just groups of kids competing against each other. And I forget who the host of it was. Like, I can picture him, but I forget who's the host. If you can remember who was the host of Wild and Crazy Kids, shoot me a message. Let me know. Let me see if I can use this. You know, they have the internet on computers now. Let's see if we can uh, look that up. Okay, well, anyways, smartass. Thanks a bunch. Um, I do remember those. And one thing that, I, well, not one thing. There were multiple of these things, but uh, Nicktoons. I loved Nicktoons so much. It was a different kind of cartoon. They had several, uh, several hosts. There was Donnie Jeffcoat, 
Omar Gooding. Omar Gooding. Jessica Gaines. That's who. That that's who I remember. Omar Gooding. Yeah, he was in the he was in the doc too, I believe, along with a uh, a couple. They had a couple of special guests: uh, Venus DeMilo Thomas, Michael Bauer, Danny Cooksey, Mark Summers. But like, yeah. So before we talk about the Nicktoons, just talking about some of the regular uh, Nickelodeon shows, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which we'll talk a little more about with our special guests coming up shortly. Uh, Pete and Pete was great. It was so weird, so weird. And I thought that it dealt with some interesting subject matter. Interesting in the sense that it was so relatable. Yeah, like you know, a seven-year-old having a tattoo, your mom having well, a metal <laughs> plate in her head. But but the but the, no, the emotions and the feelings and stuff. Um, shit, I just thought of a. Well, we mentioned the Secret World of Alex Mack. Uh, Larissa Olanik was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the show was really great. Um, crap, I just I just thought of one and then it just went away. But that wasn't one that it I. Just went away. Secret World of Alex Mack was when I was kind of transitioning away from Nickelodeon. Like I didn't watch that one that much. Because um, that's when I started, you know, like you were saying, moving over to TGIF. And, you know, Melissa Joan Hart was over there as Sabrina. Mm-hmm. But I never really watched that show either. It was more like Family Matters, Step by Step. And I think that was it. Well, I used to watch Picket Fences with Tom Skerritt and uh, Lauren oh Holly. God. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was, uh... But then you have the the Nicktoons. Oh, and you can't do that on television. Oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't... Barth, Barth Cafeteria grossed me out. Like, it's... it. Oh. And that's where slime comes from. Yes. And it was interesting to see in the documentary kind of, like, how slime evolved a little bit. Yeah, like some... Like, the, the, the consistency, the texture of it. It looked like oatmeal for a little while. Definitely changed, yeah. Um, yeah, and you get to find out that... They will refuse to uh, tell you what is in slime. They yeah, won't tell yeah, they, you what they, they won't of. tell you what it's made out of. Apparently, it's edible, though. So well, I mean, everything's edible at least once. This is true. Um, but Nicktoons were a huge, <sighs> huge yeah. thing. I and love animation. You know, the first three, kind of like the trifecta that started it off, were Doug, mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy, mm-hmm. and Rugrats. We will definitely be talking uh, more about Doug later on because there's some fun stuff about Doug. And I remember, like, Doug was great because, you know, at the time it came out, the character was older than I. But still, you know, dealing with, you know, the high school bully and, you know, your crush and, well, you know, they were in middle school. Yeah, they were like seventh, yeah, they, eighth grade. Yeah, they were in middle school. They were s- around my age. Like, I think I was 13, 14 when that came out. Uh, so I kind of related to them. I mean, my, my friend was blue and, mm-hmm. you know, my neighbors you were You had a green. crush on a girl named Mayonnaise? Yes. And then Ren and Stimpy was just bonkers. Oh. It was ridiculous. Powdered with some Toast of the Man. catchiest songs. Uh, which you will hear during the breaks because, I mean, why not? Because, uh, yeah. And then going into Rugrats. Rugrats was something that my entire family liked watching, which is <sighs> weird Rugrats. because, you know, you reach an age sometimes where the stuff that you like to watch, especially when you have, you know, a younger sibling 
with a, a you know significant age difference between the two of you and your parents like it's very rare that you find something that everyone likes watching and my younger sister loved Rugrats I loved Rugrats I, I Chucky Finster is just adorable and I still love him to this day and my parent like my dad used to get a kick out of Rugrats he thought the whole like screwdriver in the diaper but yeah you know and how they could understand each other and you know well i mean i guess it's no different from like you know having a show with animals that talk to each other you know but in this case it's the babies you know and and kind of seeing things from their perspective and i used to grandma's porch love the way that like the satchmo yeah i still remember that like the satchmo the trumpet player or the monster the monster like they didn't know how to say specific words like gerbils was jertle and you know the stew was like oh the gerbils left a left a present in the living room and the kids are all like presents Presents. and they run out there and tommy's like this is a present that's jertle poop (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like the the headspace you have to be in in order to write those shows was just well, and the awesome. voice acting for that show was fantastic, And too. you see a lot of the same voice actors now in the shows that you still watch. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy West in, in Doug, you know, like, Billy West did, oh, was also in Ren and Stimpy. He was both Ren and Stimpy. Like, he's Fry. He's Zoidberg. He's uh, the Red M&M. Like, so what you're saying is he may have a career of this. Yeah, he's got a promising career starting 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a guy that, like, you know, again, we have to do an episode on voice actors at some point because, you know, you don't realize how influential, like, you see the characters on the screen. You know, and this holds true for, you know, you know, even the, the live action people. Like, you see the characters on the screen, but you don't think about who's behind the scenes doing all the writing and, like, the Keenan and Kel stuff, like that was awesome. Like the fact that they got their own spinoff, and and that's another thing. You know, I I loved watching all that. Obviously, they're friends and they had great chemistry together, which resulted in the Keenan and Kel spinoff. And I mean, Good Burger, like Nickelodeon had movies. Mm-hmm. You know, spun off of of these characters, characters that were supposed to be side characters. In you know all that skits, you know characters that were only supposed to appear once, and Kel Mitchell did something with his voice, and they were like, "Hey, I think we have something." Yeah, here. because they which, gave you know, the kids turned into this recurring skit. Yeah, which thus the freaking welcome the good burger, home of the good burger. Can I take your order? And that's the thing, like that'll you know, be eight bucks like that's the, the the thing with these with these shows is there were so many times where you would watch a kid's show and it's like it, it's it's like uh all the memes you see going around of like men trying to write women and like they don't know how you know and it's like adults trying to write kids it's like you used to be a kid how do you not remember this anymore like i know that the weight of the world has crushed your spirit but like try to remember what it's like to be a kid and they would give these kids the ability like to you know ad lib and kind of riff off each other and you know we'll talk about that a little bit with keenan and kel and you know obviously keenan thompson one of the 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 funniest uh 
one of the funniest kids. I mean, he still has one of my favorite lines from from my childhood. Uh, uh, playing uh, 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 on the the Mighty Ducks. Hey Goldberg, but if the puck was a cheeseburger, you'd stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you see a lot of these kids over and over in these different roles. You know, the Mighty Ducks and you know Nickelodeon, and you know they would sneak off from the Nickelodeon set and go play in Universal because it was all in the same area. And that's another thing that this documentary touches on is the fact that, you know, Nickelodeon in the late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s um, was an experience. Like, it was part of Universal Studios. You could go. Like, that's where their offices were. And that's when the office was, you know, this, this big, brightly colored you know, building that had the the huge orange Nickelodeon logos. The splat logo. Yeah, you know, on the on the top of it, and you know, I can remember like I, it, it's one of those scenes, one of those those pictures that's just etched into your memory. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I wanted to go there so bad. Unfortunately, like of all the places we went, we never made it down to Florida. But I mean, I mean, addition by <laughs> subtraction. <laughs> but I, that was that, that was one of those places, you know, Disney and Nucleo, Nick, Nickelodeon. Wow, Nickelodeon Studios um, was just kind of like that, that um, mind blowing. Like I want to go to there because it appeals so much to you as a kid. Like you know, I think Universal Studios because it looked like fun. Yeah, it looked like so much fun, and it wasn't one of those places. That you know was quote for kids, and you knew it was going to be fucking lame. You knew it was for kids, right? Like you knew that it was made so that you could go have fun there. Like yeah. they, like like grownups built it so you could have fun. They want you to have fun. Yeah, and it's you know and it's a theme park, so there's plenty of stuff to do, plenty of stuff to buy. Like for the longest time, Nickelodeon didn't have merch. Like, and then all of a sudden they were like we should probably start putting some of this stuff up because that's not what it was about. It was about, you know, it was very much in the the Sesame Street mold, like we're going to have these shows that appeal to kids, but they're going to talk to kids. They're not going to talk at kids. And I think that's why uh, Nickelodeon was as successful as it was. Yeah, and it, it kind of brought things to a level that was deep enough for kids to understand but still light enough for it to be entertaining. And it also didn't beat you over the head with education. Like some of the Nick Jr. shows were geared a little more towards that, you know, the younger crowd, uh, like Blue's Clues. I was going to say, the backstory for Blue's Clues was amazing. loved Blue's Clues so much. You know, that was when my sister was watching Nick Jr. And there were a few Nick Jr. shows that I did not mind sitting down to watch with her. And Um, Blue's Clues was one of them. I I couldn't stand Blue's Clues. I loved Blue's Clues so much. Uh, Blue the Puppy was adorable. And I thought that the... I thought the color choices for the characters were interesting and i wish i could talk to somebody about that because blue the puppy was a girl mm-hmm. and then over the course of a few seasons blue the puppy meets magenta the puppy and magenta's a boy dog yeah they 
did the color swap. Yeah. So, you know, I just thought that was interesting, not ingraining, you know, gender stereotypes of characters into these kids' head. Well, up until the 1930s, pink was uh, given to boys and blue was given to girls. Mm -hmm. That was until, if I am remembering my history correctly, and I might not, the pink triangle that Hitler used to identify gays... uh, for his concentration camps uh, kind of necessitated that change in mm-hmm. American society. Yeah, I think it had something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, Blue's Clues, uh, I loved it. And then they introduced Periwinkle the cat, who was just adorable. And then they had Mr. Salt and Mrs. Pepper, who used to help with finding the clues. And then they had Little Paprika and it was just great. It was such a great show. And, you know, it it taught kids how to find things. It taught kids organization. You know, it taught kids colors. It taught, you know, a lot of things without seeming overly educational. It wasn't preachy. It was, right, you right. Know. You know, and they, then they had other shows, too, like Allegra's Window, yeah. which I thought Allegra is a doodle head. Doodle bops? No, doodle head different guy um and then oh god what else does she watch oh Gullah Gullah island that's the one with the little f- the binya binya polywog binya binya you i you could be speaking another language for all i, I all i know Though none of these things are even remotely familiar to me because again i was although it's not at this point in our lives it's not a significant gap but and we'll talk about this with our with our uh, with our guests. You know the gap between nine to fourteen is cavernous and not cavernous. Astronomical. No, that's uh, a lot. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's a word. It's like a, it's a, like a, a canyon. Lot. Like the the word to describe. I I can't think of it right now. I'm tired. Um, but a, it's a it's. Gorge. No, no, no. It's uh, I'll think of it 15 minutes after we finish recording. Um but it's it's this huge gap, you know, in development. You know, 10 to 15, 11 to 16, like things are way different, you know, as far as like what your interests are and like once you once you get to that point, I remember the day that I stopped playing with my action figures. I just it was just like a switch. It was just like, oh, I don't feel like playing with I don't feel like making He-Man fight Hulk Hogan anymore. And I just stopped. Like, I tried to force myself to keep doing it, and it just stopped. And then, you know, kind of like the tastes that I had for for TV shows changed. I mean, I still love animation. I will still watch a lot of these old Nick shows. You know, I love me some Ren and Stimpy. But, and uh, my brother, uh, uh, Dan who you can see on uh, the Loudest Sports Show every Friday. Uh, His artistic style, uh, every time he tries to draw a human, it looks like if Rocky Dennis was on Doug. (laughs) And that is the best way to describe his art style. Like, everyone he draws looks like if Rocky Dennis was on Doug. Yeah. So it had a huge impact on his life as well, apparently. But Nickelodeon was so great, and it's created these fond, fond memories of of shows that I still go back and and revisit. You know, Ah Real Monsters. 
written by one of our uh, former guests, Mike Price. You know, um, SpongeBob SquarePants, which mm-hmm. I, I totally, I forget sometimes that it's a Nicktoon because well, it's it you kind were in of college. came out. Well, yeah, like um, we were talking about last week with our guest Alyssa mm-hmm. Botello. Uh, go watch Junkie on YouTube, by the way. It's on. Uh, it's on posted to the group. Yeah, so go to find it in the group and and watch it. It's good. Um, SpongeBob came out when I was in high school, so it's kind of past the time that I think of, you know, when I think of Nicktoons, I think of kind of like the core of Nicktoons that came out in like the mid-ish 90s. Yeah, and SpongeBob is one of those like... Well, and it's still on. Right. And it that's one of those shows which a lot of the Nickelodeon shows were, where it's jokes that are... Funny for kids because there's, like, annoying repetition. Or funny, like, you know, the characters are funny. But there's the artwork, you know, is stuff silly. stuff hidden in there that kids aren't going to get that their parents or us as adults can appreciate. Like the fact that it's called Bikini Bottom. Sandy Cheeks. Yeah, Sandy Cheeks and Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Like, it's, like, that stuff that, you know, we will get that you know a six seven eight maybe even a 12 year old might not get right you know depending on you know the the emotional maturity of that 12 year old but yeah you're right like nickelodeon was such a huge part of everybody's uh childhood for the last you know almost 40 years uh, over 40 years and you know you either had nickelodeon or you had the disney channel and i know nickelodeon was more accessible to some people than mm-hmm. the G- disney channel was because disney channel wasn't like cable like N- so disney sometimes channel you had was to have extra package yeah yeah and i remember living in different places that you know we had access to the disney channel and don't get me wrong you know i i grew up watching disney films Disney animated films will always hold a special place in my heart. But when it came down to watching the shows, Nickelodeon won every time. Oh, yeah. D- yeah, Nickelodeon blew uh, Disney out of the water. I still remember it was uh, the basic cable package in Worcester. Uh, Nickelodeon was channel 52. I still remember that. I mean, it was it was part of that. It was, you know... It was in my rotation of channels, depending on, you know, what day it was. You know, it was USA, TNT, uh, MTV, um, you know, because back in the early 90s, they were still playing music. But they, you know, Nickelodeon was one of those things that was a staple. It's like, okay, it was one of those things you would plan your day around. At this time, on this day, they play this show. Yeah. It's like, okay. We're going to watch this and this. We don't really care about this show, so we're going to switch it over to this channel to watch this show. Then we have to make sure we switch it back to catch this one. You know, it's like like certain shows didn't didn't appeal to us. You know, we, we weren't big into, like, Pete and Pete or Salute Your Shorts. Or, oh, that was uh, another really good hey one. Hey, Dude. Yeah, Hey, Dude. I, I didn't get into any of those shows. About... The animation, I was all about it, but the... The uh, the live action stuff like those in particular, like I tried watching them a few times, and it just it's just one of those things like it just didn't appeal to me. It wasn't my type of show, so I just meh, and I would watch something else. So we want to know what are some of your favorite Nickelodeon shows? Favorite Nick memories? Yeah, 
you know, let us know. Hit us up on the Facebook page, on the Twitters, or you can email us at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. And I know uh, I'm waiting to hear uh, what Coop is going to... what Coop's going to say, because I know Coop is uh, a big Nickelodeon guy. So so with that being said, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will be joined by our very special guests. That's right. So stay tuned and enjoy the Nickelodeon music. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. Kid, you want a toy? Uh-huh, uh-huh. How about a bike? No. <laughs> a video game? No! <laughs> well, okay. You pick a toy. Yes, log. All kids love log. What rolls downstairs? The motor and pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. Let's wait for a snack. It fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, log. It's better than dark, it's good. Everyone wants a log. And we are happy to uh, to announce on on the show to uh, to welcome to the show Scott Barber and Adam Sweeney, the directors of the Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story. And guys, thank you so much for uh, taking time and uh, joining us this evening. Thanks for having us. We're super pumped to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, uh, Scott, I see that you. Uh, this is not your first foray into a uh, into a Nickelodeon style documentary, as uh, you were a producer on Forever Anawana as well. 
This is my first. Uh, Forever on Awana was one that we were helping out with. Yes. Okay, so this is your first, you know, uh, directorial. Uh... Correct. Yes, right. this is our first. Our first. Yes, exactly. And uh, I saw you had another one coming out uh, later on. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that because I want to plug that one at the end. Um, and uh, Adam, this is uh, your directorial debut as well, uh, and you also worked on the prequel Strike Back: A Fan's Journey, uh, which I'm guessing is uh, all about the uh, the uh, prequel Star Wars trilogy. And you guys both directed this, so let's just get right into this, because uh, Ashes and I watching this last night, ugh, the nostalgia was palpable. Like, I (laughs) cannot even begin to put into words how happy this documentary made me. Like, it brought me back to a really happy time in my childhood, and being a huge fan of Nickelodeon and the Nicktoons and all of these shows, it just, it was such a nice, uh, especially with everything kind of going on right now, that nice little bit of nostalgia, just to kind of, it's almost like extra dessert, you know? (laughs) Like, it was just, it was just so delicious and great and I ate it all up so my first question to you guys is why Nickelodeon why decide to make a documentary on the fantastic orange years of Nickelodeon so we have been fan we've been fans of Nickelodeon and we've been friends really since uh, the early 90s about 1991 and one of the ways that we became friends is uh, I moved away. We were both came from uh, houses of divorce, and uh, we stayed friends by calling each other when we would watch Nickelodeon all the time. So we would watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? We would, uh, you know, sit on our own big orange couches and uh, and and talk to each other as we watched Nick. Uh, we had written scripts together uh, and had some, you know, some some relative success, but they, you know, always got handed off. And, uh, and, and something gets sometimes inevitably lost in translation. So we had both worked together through our jobs of doing many documentaries. And we decided we kind of wanted to take our destiny into our own hands and have some more uh, creative control from the beginning to the, the end. And we knew that a documentary was the most accessible and affordable way to tell a story. And we kind of had been kicking around some ideas that, uh, of things that we were passionate about. And we kept going back to Nickelodeon. And so we did research and we were really kind of dumbfounded that nobody had done it before. And so we decided that that was, that was our story. That was something that we were passionate about. It was very personal and meant a lot to us. And, uh, and we took a look at it. And what we really focused on also was the importance that this couldn't just be empty calories. And so, we wanted to make sure that uh, it wasn't just putting the classic characters and people that you loved on screen and then just kind of having a I love the 80s or I love the 90s episode, right? Uh, we wanted to make sure that there was a story behind it. And so when we started really digging deep and doing the research and we found out about Geraldine Laybourne, that's whenever we knew that we had something special. So what was the most challenging aspect of, of- – you know, either getting the folks together or, you know, just getting this uh, kind of off the ground? I think that getting it off the ground, that's exactly it. Getting it off the ground was the hardest part. Uh, You know, Adam and I, we did an Indiegogo together to um, raise funds to do this. 
And that's all we had when we went into this. You know, we were able to say, well, we did an Indiegogo. Uh, but that also allowed us um, – it let us know that there was a fan base for this. The fact that our Indiegogo was successful, um, because of that, we knew that there was uh, other people like us that really wanted this. Um, but, you know, when we, we were both first-time filmmakers, and um, – so, you know, to reach out to people that we didn't know, because we had nobody booked in the beginning, uh, to reach out to people and get them to trust us to tell their story and to be able to do it justice, you know, that took a little bit of work, understandably so. Everybody was excited that this was happening. Everybody was really forthcoming and wanted to be a part of it. But that was definitely the most difficult part was, was, was booking those interviews, getting to people. When we, we had no inside track, it's not like Adam and I or I – uh, work for Nickelodeon or knew somebody from Nickelodeon. Um, we were just some guys who really wanted to thought this was an important story to tell. Um, so I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges was just um, getting that interview, getting the booking the interviews in the very beginning. You, you know what? What it reminds me of now that I think about it is uh, when you watch Wayne's World two. Whenever they're talking to Christopher Walken's character, and they're like. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna make a festival, and it's gonna be called Wayne Stock. And they're like, and we're we're going to we're gonna have um, uh, Aerosmith, and we're gonna do um, we're we're also gonna have Pearl Jam or, or whoever, right? Yeah. And and that's kind of how the Indiegogo was, right? <laughs> is that we? I mean, we were confident in the story, but the reality is, and and we did hear that, right? You know, because because it's basically about like you have to earn trust, and so trust comes from whenever you're. Uh, when you're in the community, right? And the Nickelodeon family is very supportive and very tight-knit. And so there were times where, you know, you would ask someone, it's like, you know, hey, we would love to interview you and have you on. And they're like, you know, so, so who do you have so far, right? And at the very beginning, we were like, we have a hope and a dream. And <laughs> that was what you had, you know what I mean? Like, we were like, we would love to have you and then we could get, you know, and so, but so cheers to, you know, I mean, and credit to everybody else and, and really credit to our team for being able to back that dream with actual substance. So you're saying that on the, uh, the physical release, one of the uh, extras is going to be you interviewing old man fashioning a canoe out of a log. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. Uh, yes, and we also have a uh, Rip Taylor. Um, and, uh, I wish, I wish we had Rip Taylor. That'd be amazing. Oh. So, was there anyone you wanted to interview that you couldn't get? Because you guys got some great interviews: Larissa Olenek, uh, Melissa Joan Hart, Keenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell. You know, uh, fan Tom Kenny. Yeah, Lori Beth Denberg. Like all of the Danny Tamborelli. All of these people that we we know we grew up with. Some people who look Have like they aged. Josh Server like hasn't aged a day. Um, nope, not. So, was there anyone you were hoping to get that you? couldn't get that you can tell us about hmm. that's tough you know when we started this you know we made a list of this is our dream if we could get everybody we wanted this is this is kind of who it is and then we made our list of people that this is the bare minimum this is you know we knew to feature a show we had to get at least one person that was on screen and then one person that was behind the scenes to speak to that where did mm -hmm. the show come where did the idea for the show come from all that stuff uh, and so we made a list of this is bare bones. And 
pretty quickly our bare bones list got demolished and then our dream list <laughs> kind of got demolished. We got more people than we ever thought we could have and we were so grateful for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could have filmed forever. You know, are there people uh, – I'll let Adam answer that. You know, there, there, I'm sure there are people that, you know, we didn't get that we, we, we wished we had, but uh, I'm really happy with the people that we did get. Yeah, I think that uh, that there. I mean, there are people because the reality is, once we got to the the finish line, whenever we knew that we had to kind of that we had to wrap, uh, there were definitely like people like Iggy Pop and someone like Toby Huss, like uh, who you know played Artie, the strongest man in the world, uh, and you know there are a couple of others. Like we were, you know, we were in talks to talk to to talk with Amanda Bynes and. You know, she deserves her day in the sun as well. The the reality is, um, based upon the budget that we had and the time frame, you know, we like like Scott said, this is something that could, you know, in time be developed into a miniseries, realistically, kind of like The Last Dance, you know, the Chicago Bulls documentary. Uh, and so, yeah, there are some people where we're like, oh, it would have been so cool to talk to this individual. But realistically, not many, right? I yeah. mean, like, I mean, like we would love to talk to every single person that was part of every story realistically because they're all amazing but when you think about kind of like who was who were like the heavy hitters um i i'm i feel very lucky and you know we're very proud that it's a pretty much you know it's kind of <laughs> like a, um it's kind of a who's who of nickelodeon yeah. I'll throw out two just because <laughs> it's not a spoiler. People can look up on IMDb who's in there, but I guess I'll say two Canadians. I, I, it would have been great to talk to Alanis Morissette because sure. in addition to talking to her about Nickelodeon, I'd ask her who you ought to know uh, was actually about. And is it true that it was actually Dave Coulier? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we are going to – we, were, we almost got there. We almost got to interview Dave Coulier. Uh, it just, it, the, that show Fuller House uh, was was filming at the time. But he was on an early Nickelodeon show as well that kind of gets overlooked. And the other one that a lot of people don't even think of as a Nick person is Ryan Reynolds, Mr. Deadpool viral marketing genius himself. He started out on a show called 15 that, that <laughs> would have been pretty fun to – to, to focus on because no one ever remembers 15 but it was like a soap opera for little kids it's like very bizarre and, and weird um and he plays a like kind of like a loser little kid that gets kicked out of a band so hey it, i guess if we had to maybe those are those those two beautiful canucks would have been amazing to interview oh, oh, that those, are, that's been... a, those are some deep cuts right there <laughs> you know i did oh, yeah. uh, i'll be honest seeing uh when i saw tom kenny i was I was, I was, I was like, okay, are we gonna see Billy West as well? Because he was such oh, a, yeah. an integral part of uh, some of these shows, you know. And I will say this because I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Although I did entice someone the other day to watch it, <laughs> I said, you find out what gets thrown into the fire in the for uh, the Midnight Society. Like you find out yeah. the secret. And they're like, "Oh, what is it?" And I'm like, "You gotta watch it to find out." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're the you, you are in like the de facto midnight society now, both of y'all. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't, we can't just let uh, you gotta watch it. Like, you can't just like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't get to just have have the have the secret, you know, the the secret of the ooze. Like, whenever <laughs> it just no, 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 no. You got it's a it's a it's a it's a, a rite of passage. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, 
All right, so we went over what were the most challenging aspects, whether but how willing you know we, you touched on it a little bit, but how willing were folks? Uh, where how willing were they to do this? You know, because there are certain parts where there. Uh, I think it was. Um, uh, Larissa Olenek talking about like the Nick takes over your school and they were saying how it like it seemed almost like a uh, an excuse to just you know have a reunion was there anybody that gave you pushback like that like well, I'm not really interested in doing like a reunion or a where are they now type thing um, or was everybody just like yeah let's let's talk about it Yeah, everybody was really excited to talk about it. Like, we, we kept thinking we're going to run into that. You know, like the, the, the story of um, the jaded child actor, you know, the wronged child actor. We, we kept thinking we were going to run into something like that. And we, we were kind of blown away that we never did. You know, just playing the numbers when you interview that many people like we did, you're going to run into one bad apple, you think. And, and everybody was so excited, you know. People that aren't into acting anymore, they did it. People that are into, still in the entertainment industry, they did it. People that are in the entertainment industry and have gone on to do huge things since, and Nickelodeon isn't even really what they're known for, like Graham Yost, Lisa Malamud, Tina Thompson, they were willing to do it too. We were kind of blown away. We, we kept thinking that was going to happen, and we're kind of like blown away that it never did. And people, uh, a lot of them, offered additional support right so you'd be starting the interview and somebody like mark summers would say have you talked to this person and we would you know but either we would say yes or we would say no we we haven't and they would say yeah, yeah yeah you need to talk to this individual like they they can tell you about x and x i'll 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 hook you up with them and when people do that and they're so generous you're going to get so much more, um, you know, supplemental information that's going to add on to your story. So, yeah, um, we were really lucky because nobody gave gave any pushback, right? And we were told a couple of times um, that people were appreciative of the fact that it was completely positive, right? Uh, there's there's nothing in the story that uh, is about a scandal, or we we just didn't have any interest in that, right? We wanted to add. Uh, add some information and insight into why this beautiful phenomenon happened. And so uh, it was it was really a, a blessing and really uh, a lot of fun for us to get to work on the project. And such a delight whenever you find out that your heroes are just wonderful people also. Now, when conducting some of these interviews, I'm sure you held it together, but did you fanboy out at all meeting <laughs> some of these people? Every time, <laughs> uh, like every single time, like yeah, there was it's it's um, you know I remember the first the first interview that we really did was um, with uh, Danny Cooksey who played Bobby Budnick on Salute Your Shorts, and he's you know definitely in the top two or three characters of of you know for me and Scott, uh, and we before we you know walked in we like kind of stopped for a second and we were like, we're getting to meet Bobby Budnick. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's tough because, uh, you are, you're meeting your, your heroes every single time. 
right? And it's very important not to be Chris Farley on the Chris Farley show from Saturday Night Live. And, <laughs> uh, and so we so we did, you know, I, I think we held it together. And I think it helped that both of us were there to be able to do that. You know, I mean, I, I think anybody in their right mind, whenever they meet Marissa, you know, is going to, you know, it's hard. Uh, you know, we, we had somebody on our team that was like, hey, so should we tell her, like, should I tell her that I had a crush on her whenever we were growing up? <laughs> And we were like, we all did. Don't say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she knows, right? I mean, she's yeah. aware. But, but yeah, like, um, I, I know I, I fanboyed out every single time. So it was like you basically had to be like, um, you know, whenever you meet Santa and you're taking a photo, you have to be like really just like restrained. Uh, but, you know, thank goodness that I had, you know, uh, a best friend to be there also to help with that. So we kind of alternated back and <laughs> forth, uh, which is really cool also. Yeah, we we yeah, had crazy. We've had a couple of uh, opportunities to to meet people and interview people and, you know, growing up from our childhood. And you guys sound like you're right around the same age as us. So, you know, we interviewed Samantha Newark, who played Jem. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we interviewed Andre Gower from the Monster Squad for his new documentary. And, you know, it's so hard to just, you know, like you be professional and you talk and you're like, okay, yep. Then you get to the car and you're like, oh, my God. You just start grinning from (laughs) ear to ear, cheesing out. You're like, oh, my God, that just happened. (laughs) That happened every time with us. Yeah. It was was insane because, you know, we, we would we would. You know, making a documentary, you know, very similar to what you guys do. I mean, it's just such hard work, you know. I mean, you're working sun up to sundown, and it never felt like work, you know. And we always made sure to, to, to kind of pinch ourselves and go, don't let this fall into just being work. You know, we're, we're, we, we never lost sight of how lucky we were. I mean, one, to get to work on a project like this and get to meet all these amazing people. I mean, that's something that people would kill to get that opportunity for, you know. And one of the things as – a person watching this documentary, one of the things that I really enjoyed was the overall energy of the documentary, how positive it was. And you can tell that it was put together by fans for fans. And that's just something that's so appreciated because it's not like you're sitting there talking at us. You know, for some of these interviews, it almost felt like a, a conversation. I mean, granted, a one sided conversation, but, you know, uh, it, they were giving us information that we all wanted to know i just thought that was so cool we were always aware of that how 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 fortunate we were that this is such an amazing once we found out how amazing this story was we were like okay this responsibility to, to do a good job and not mess this up uh is falling on us you know we we've got to do these people justice so you know, thank you for saying that, you know, because that's something that we always thought. It's like, you know, this is a beautiful story and these people have trusted us with it. Um, so it, that was not lost on us that, that, that we, we got the opportunity of a lifetime and we wanted to do justice to those amazing people. Yeah, and we wanted it to be that we, we really, at the very beginning, as we were kind of deciding what the framework and kind of the structure of the story would be, uh, we, we made a, a dedicated decision that this is going to be the story of everything. Right. Uh, it didn't feel appropriate to insert ourselves into it because we all had these wonderful experiences. And so I think that all of the, you know, I think, I think what made it also not feel one sided is that nobody 
that we were interviewing felt differently, right? Like mm-hmm. they felt like they were part of the phenomenon also, and they enjoyed it. And so I think when you have that, and you have kind of this like reciprocal or like you know energy that is happening, that inevitably is going to um, make itself onto the screen. I also really enjoyed how you really encapsulated the multi generational. Uh, Kind of like age uh, um, gap that the orange years had because, you know, while as we're watching it, you know, Patrick is remembering things that I had no clue because there's, you know, a little bit of an age difference between us. And, and, you know, there are things that he kind of aged out a little bit that I was still heavily engrossed in, you know, as far as I appreciated that as well. And the inclusion of Nick Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Jr. is so, so, and it's interesting because, you know, we all are kind of in the, like you said, in the same age range, but even though some of us have been aged out of Nick Jr., I remember, uh, you know, and Scott does too, like Eureka's Castle. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, and, and Face and all of these amazing characters that it's interesting that it's like, you know, you we we didn't necessarily sit down to watch all of it all the time like you know maybe our siblings did but we knew that it was special and we knew that it was still really cool and you know that that's something that you don't always get right like they're you know like we always like we compare nickelodeon to kind of like the phenomenon of star wars right Mm -hmm. and there are different generations but there aren't i don't think a lot of people that are going to argue that the original trilogy isn't the best right whereas like with nickelodeon uh anybody could stake you know to stake a claim and go spongebob squarepants drake and josh iCarly, those are some of the greatest shows of all time or they could say pinwheel you can't do that on television uh all of these are some of the greatest shows of all time but it's not adversarial right like everybody it's like we're just almost like it's like we're playing like uh, like it's like we're at Halloween and we're all just trading candy and making sure that everybody is like getting to try this new flavor. And yeah. That's really exciting. And, you know, it adds on and it really kind of like elevates your experience of Nickelodeon. You, you think about it. Some of these shows only came out like four five, six years apart from each other. And that doesn't seem like that long. But to a kid, that's like a lifetime, mm. you know, so it, it is interesting that. You know, some of the shows towards the end of our documentary, Adam and I weren't really watching, so we had to do more research. And that was fun. It was fun to get to be more objective. It's like, okay, I didn't really watch this show, so I'm learning about it as we're doing it. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. You know, two or three years is, is everything in a kid's life. You know, it's different between being, you know, 10 years old versus 14 or 15. You think about where you were at those two points, and they're probably very different. So you know, that was something that we were hoping, you know, kids that maybe were into Nickelodeon later, that maybe all that and Keenan and Kel, that's when they got into Nickelodeon later on. Um, they can learn about shows like you can't do that on television and see how that show influenced the later shows, you know, where the slime came from and stuff like that. Spoiler alert. And then also, you know, vice versa, kids that were, you know, more older and watched you can't do that on television can, can, can learn about shows like Keenan and Kel and all that that came later. And uh, we just wanted it to be enjoyable for everyone. Our goal is always, hey, even if you've never really heard of, uh, if you, even if you didn't watch Nickelodeon from a totally different generation, hopefully you'll still enjoy uh, this 
story of these underdogs. You know, it's, it's, it's just a story about people and their journey at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of content that went with Nickelodeon that you know I hadn't. Re- if you would asked me prior to watching the documentary, name you know ten shows, most of what I was going to tell you was going to be anime. You know, Count Duckula, Danger Mouse, you know, Ren and Stimpy, yeah. um, you know, Rugrats and Alvreal Monsters, all that good stuff. And then I'm seeing some of this stuff like you know the the news the. I will say the segment with Magic Johnson, and that's all I'm going to say. Wow. Like that. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And it's just like, I remember what was going on at that time. I remember being young. And I remember knowing, you know, that there was so much that had to do with that. You know, again, trying to be as ambiguous as possible uh, because I don't want to give anything away. Like that scene is just phenomenal. Um, there was so much that was it was you know teaching to kids it wasn't pandering to them you know it was like if sesame street was an entire uh network you know there was because sesame street had yeah. so many of those individual um you know like you know snippets and 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 all these different genres kind of put together and that to me is what nickelodeon was and i think you guys really like uh you know, really brought that out to the forefront and reminded me, you know, because I'm, I'm pushing 40 at this point, and I remember sitting in the basement, you know, watching, you know, Snick, you know, and, and oh watching. God, I used to love Snick so much. Know, Meltman and the Flesh. And, oh, Kablam! <laughs> like, oh. yeah. You know, like, and it's like, oh, I totally, like, you don't realize how much of an impact this stuff had on you and how it informed you know your 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 life going forward until you kind of like revisit it and so that's what i think this documentary really does it really helps you like hey it's not like hey do you remember the 80s you know it's like hey do you remember this and you're like oh man i do and so i think you guys did an exceptional job with that well thank you it it means a lot because we definitely felt um a responsibility to do right by these people that were so, you know, in this, this network that was so amazing and is still so amazing. Uh, I think that talking about, you know, with the, the Magic Johnson segment, it's interesting that it's coming, that, that the film's coming out right now in a period where children are having to struggle and learn about a pandemic that is completely unexpected and is very new. And so uh, I think in addition to that, social and environmental issues that, you know, they're having to experience and tackle uh, that, you know, we didn't have to worry about so much. And so I think that it, it will be really interesting to look ahead and see how children's programming helps navigate that. And, you know, to Nickelodeon's credit, they still are doing moments of silence for, you know, to focus on Black Lives Matter and to... Um, you know, and they're, it's in good hands, right, with Brian Robbins and Chris Viscardi, who were creators of, you know, the, of all that. And then the Adventures of Pete and Pete. So that attention to detail, you know, we really always talked about it. And our North Star, we always said to each other is we know that we love the stories. Uh, now we need to find out why we love the stories. And so it is really cool to see that it wasn't just it wasn't just people throwing spaghetti on the wall. It was 
uh, done with uh, substance. And I think your comparison to Sesame Street is really appropriate because, you know, when you watch Sesame Street, Grover and Elmo and, you know, everybody else on that show, they're your friends, right? And it's so smart that Jim Henson and all the group and everybody else, you know, the help from like Sesame Street that if you look at it, all of the characters were the same height as the kids, right? And mm-hmm. all of those little touches and little moments that you see, like in Star Wars, for example, like whenever it's like, oh, we're going to shoot from the angle of a child, you know, or certain things like that. Like, that means so much. And so for Geraldine Laybourne and all of these visionaries, you know, you could go down the list. You could say Scott Webb, David Vogler, Vanessa Coffey, Anne Sweeney, Anne Kramer, and just like, you know, what we wanted to do, and I hope that we accomplished it, is when you walk away now, you know those names, Right. And you know the people that were behind the network, and because they deserve their they deserve their day in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. Like so often, we just see who's in front of the camera that we forget that there's an entire team behind the scenes that you know made this possible. You know, there had to be someone saying, "This is my idea." Like you know, talking about Jim Jenkins with Doug. Yeah. This is my idea. This is what I think. You know, and seeing how he dressed, I thought was hilarious. Um. <laughs> he is Doug. I mean, they, <laughs> Jim Jenkins is Doug. Yeah, that was that was one that hard not to fanboy out to, just because you know Doug was such a great show. I was the same age as Doug when it came out, and and uh, you know everyone had been saying Jim Jenkins is an amazing guy. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, and then to meet him, and he really is. It's like wow, that's just awesome. Yeah. So if you had to choose one, what is your favorite Nickelodeon show? Scott, you want to you wanna go first? <laughs> if I had to choose one, and that's incredibly hard, even before we made this documentary, that was a hard question to, uh, to, to answer. But, and then after getting to meet all the creators and, and hear, you know, it's like anything else. Their passion makes you more passionate. We mm-hmm. hear them talk about their show and where it came from and all the hardships. And there's certain things that when they talk about their show, you didn't even think of because it looks so effortless from from an outsider's point of view when you're watching it. And that just goes to show you how good they were at their job. Uh, But if I had to pick one, I would probably say, and this is a lot of people's favorite, is The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I think that so many of the aesthetics that I would go on to like as a a teenager and as an adult were probably born from uh, that show. It almost, to me, it almost reminds me of like Wes Anderson and David Lynch combined in a weird way, if that makes sense. And those are both two filmmakers that I would go on to really love to this very day. And, you know, the rock and roll, like you listen to that theme song. I mean, that is a song that I could drive around and listen to, not because of Pete and Pete, but just because that, that band Polaris is an amazing band. And that, it's got that jangly indie rock sound that I just love so much. And the fact that it really was almost like it, it had this abstract, weird view of the world, which is kind of how kids kids feel. You know, as a kid, it, feel, it felt real, even though it was so weird. Like, you got a kid that has a tattoo, even though he's an eight-year-old, and he's got his own um, superhero, and their mom has a plate in her head that she can hear weird uh, things from outer space. It was, it was very weird, but it felt real because that's kind of how the, the world feels weird to a kid. So if I had to pick one, and, and I mean, then on top of that, all the big rock stars that were in it that would would go on to be, you know, big parts of my musical catalog that I love, you know, Iggy Pop, Michael Stipe, Gordon Gano from Violent Femmes, uh, 
Deborah Harry from Blondie. You know, I mean, it's just crazy all the the musical cameos that got in there. Um, so if I had to say, I would have to say Pete, Pete even though it's incredibly tough. Yeah, and I, I think that you know I would preface my choice by saying that like these are one A and one Ps like on our list. Like uh, we these are the two that definitely, along with Salute Your Shorts, I think that we watched all the time. Um, uh, I would go with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, because it was the first time this, I mean, it was before Goosebumps and yeah, there was like Arlo signs like Fear Street and things like that, like books you could read. But when you're a kid, like I, I didn't have access to those. Right. And, and, uh, and so the Midnight Society is just the coolest group of kids ever. Right. And the fact that we got to see that, that kind of, to me, defined what Nickelodeon was about, which was like, it was edgy, but to the point where they didn't push you over, they didn't push you off the cliff, right? And so just, that was so different also than anything else that Nickelodeon was doing, I think. You know, it's a lot like The Adventures of Pete and Pete in that it was very, I don't want to use the word like necessarily irreverent, but there was no scary story shows for kids, right? It's like you... You know, there's Tales from the Crypt and there was Creep Show and all these things for adults, but the opportunity to every Saturday night just be like totally scared out of your mind. And then to also, I mean, realistically, I think Scott and I both wish that we had been in the Midnight Society. I'd love to make a Midnight Society group now, right? And tell, tell scary stories. That was just awesome. And it would go on to, you know, like. I mean, Brian Gosling was on it, Ness Campbell, you know, like Elisha Cuthbert. Um, gosh, uh, Joanna, is it a jo- Joanna uh, Garcia Swisher? Like, yeah. so many. Ross Hole, who, who's an amazing meteorologist. Like, there's so many people on that show that were just so, like, just wonderful. And, you know, you still watch it now, and it holds up. And I think that's the same thing about Pete and Pete, you know. When you watch that, I, I, and to, to talk to what Scott said really quickly about Pete and Pete, what I think was awesome, you know, I think about an episode like the Halloweeny episode, and I was living that because I was Big Pete, basically, and my brother was like six years younger than me. And so I knew what it was like to have those moments where my little brother was like, hey, dude, let's go do this. And I was like, I'm into girls now. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and you know what I mean? It was like, I want to do, go do this and this. And luckily, you know, my brother and I, like, we, we were best friends also, like, eventually, you know, once he got to become a teen. Uh, and, and, but, but I understood that. And so, you know, like Scott said, it was this weird, bizarre world. But that's how life is when you're, when you're a child, whenever you're a teenager. Everything is larger than life, and it's bigger than you would ever expect it to be. It's the most important moment of your life because you've never experienced it, right? So those two to me were just so formative and i think that there's a reason i mean you know there's no wrong answer if somebody like you said if somebody was like kablam or my brother and me or any show you know that's the beauty of nickelodeon is mm-hmm. that there, none of these you know, i mean you could do a list of probably a hundred shows realistically and every single one of those deserves to be put uh put on the top oh yeah one I... more thing about pete and pete you know there's this whole thing that i think adults forget is how hard it is to go from being a little kid, like what Adam's talking about for Halloween, to being a big kid, mm. letting go of those things. And that's something that 
to show that Nickelodeon picked up on that, that that's what kids are afraid of. And there's a, a scene that we use in the documentary uh, from an episode uh, uh, from Pete and Pete that I think perfectly describes that Pete and Pete is going from being a little kid to going into that next era of childhood. And I can remember that so fondly where you are getting these new interests, you know, like rock and roll or music or girls or whatever. And, but you still like playing with your toys, but you kind of know you have to put them away and stop doing little kid things. And it's kind of painful in a way. It's beautiful because you're going to something new, but it is like, it's a very bittersweet moment in a kid's life. And I think that like that show and then Clarissa are two of the best shows. I think that, 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 um, that really showcase that. And again, that's like Pete and Pete. It was a very abstract show, but that thing that kids go through is very real. Yeah, and you know, having uh, two younger brothers myself, one two years, one eight years younger, um, you know, I I could definitely uh, relate to that. And you know, I remember watching, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And me and my brother and a couple of the neighborhood kids were all like, "All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do that, but like, we're gonna jump on a train, right? And then we're gonna like sne- we're gonna sneak out of the house. We're gonna jump on a train, and then we're gonna like <laughs> go to Boston, and like we're gonna do that. Like." What the hell do we know? We were like eight. Like what? Are we... yeah. <laughs> like this but, is. But... Go ahead. Go ahead. I say yeah. This is a very well thought out plan. <laughs> oh yeah. No no no. And, and for what it's worth, me and my cousin definitely did the same thing and jumped on a train. Like and we like in hindsight, it's like yeah that you could have died, you you fool. Like what were you <laughs> thinking? You know. But that's that's the thing about childhood, right? Is that you think that you're bulletproof and you don't know mm-hmm. you don't know how you don't know what you don't know. Right. And uh and, and you know, I, I think Scott was right, is that, you know, they, they found a very poignant and beautiful way to to examine you know, these transitional and informative moments of your life without pandering to us and without making it sound like they knew. It's like, you know, when you watch Dawson's Creek I, and I love Dawson's Creek. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Um, I remember vividly watching it, and as much as I wanted to date Katie Holmes or Michelle Williams, I knew that nobody else talked. Like this was a 42-year-old man that was writing a script, right? It's like that's kind of like how Juno was for me to a degree. Is I was just like, man, I wish when I was 15 that I could talk like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for that hyper, that hyper stylized. Story, form of storytelling, right? There's nothing wrong with it, but I didn't feel like when I was watching Nickelodeon, like I didn't feel like, oh, adults created this, right? Like it felt like it was in the hands of children. And that's because, you know, Geraldine Laybourne and the rest of the creative team took their time to, to, to really ask kids what they wanted. And, and that, that really, really shown through. And I, I think that it also helped to have some really talented actors pulling this stuff off. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that was ad-libbed and, and uh, you know, scripts were underwent some changes as the kids delivered the lines. You know, maybe you just let Keenan and Kel riff off each other for a little bit and see what you get. No doubt. Yep. You tell they me did, and we... they talk about that. Yeah, the, in the document, uh, you know, we were talking to Keenan and Kel and all the all that people, they, they got creative you know, they got creative input, which is how forward thinking is that? You know, you, you've got these kids and they're not looking at them as kid actors. They're looking at them as just performers. And if you got a good idea, go with it. You know, and, and we, we talked to Kel about that. You know, some of his most iconic roles, not to spoil it, but, you know, he had a hand in creating. 
that's pretty pretty darn cool. Yeah. So yeah, I know. And, uh, and the reality. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, like when you talk. I mean, there's a reason that Keenan Thompson is, you know, has has gone on to become one of the greatest comedic actors of all time. You know, and when you interview someone like Lori Beth Denberg, it's, you know, it, it's it's obvious that it's like they didn't need a script to be to be hilarious, right? They were just like they were basically kid geniuses. And uh, and so so yeah, I think that when you trust somebody to get to have those opportunities, that's whenever something something really dynamic is created. So I know we're uh, we're uh, a little over time, and I know you guys got more stuff to do tonight. I just have a couple more things I want to cover before we go. Uh, yeah. One last question being, you know, I know you guys are supposed to be professional, and and you know you were doing a job. But, you know, when you went to these different interviews, did you maybe have something in the car that you were like, all right, if this goes well, I'm going to ask them to sign it? <laughs> it's, it's, fun, it's, it's funny you say, like you say that because I think, you know, one of the reasons that we were able to maintain that level of professionalism in the face of, like, so many of our heroes was that we were in such a rush all the time uh, because, you know, because we were working day jobs also. Right. So we were taking like there was a week where we, you know, I mean, like we did like 15 plus interviews and, you know, and, and it wasn't even just a week. It was a couple of days. And, you know, so I, I don't think that I, I mean, Scott, I don't, I don't know about you. I didn't ever get a chance to think about that. Right. Like and when, true, we were, when we were thinking about getting things signed, we were thinking about promotional items as ways to thank the fans, you know, um, in hindsight. Yeah, like what was I thinking? I it would have been nice to have something signed by Mark Summers. But, yeah, we, we did get a bunch of stuff signed, and we're giving it away to the fans. So if you check out our Instagram page, we're going to be doing some pretty cool giveaways for people that, um, you know, if you buy the movie, you might get something signed by uh, Keenan Thompson or Kel Mitchell or Melissa Joan Hart. Very cool. Well, that was that's kind of leading into my next thing. Um, we know that it releases VOD on the 17th. And uh, are we? Can we expect a physical release? Obviously, you just said that there is. Um, and what kind of extras can we expect, uh, if any, on the uh, on the physical release? There's a physical release. Yeah, you can you can get the DVD and Blu-ray uh, on Amazon.com or Target uh, if you want a physical copy. Um, unfortunately, this one doesn't have really any good extras. Um, but hopefully for future pressings, uh, we're, we're looking into releasing all this, either like an extended cut or some, some, uh, some cut scenes somewhere. But uh, this one is just a movie, so, uh, but it's still awesome. Still, yeah. still a fun, amazing ride. And like you said, there's uh, options for, um, you know, you might, you, you know, if you order it from you guys, you might get, uh, you might get something. So where, where can folks follow you on social media to get the, the latest updates on not only uh, this movie, but uh, all your upcoming projects. So the best way to do it, if you want to pay attention to the orange years, uh, which to be clear, once the release happens on the 17th, uh, we don't anticipate that's going to be the end of the ride. Right. So we want to know about the experiences of all the Nickelodeon fans. And, uh, you know, like uh, Scott said, I mean, there are hunt lines. There's almost a hundred hours of footage that we took, um, that we filmed, uh, that, you know, we would love to find a way to, to continue to, to showcase. 
Uh, you can go to at the Orange Years on Facebook, at the Orange Years on Instagram. Uh, both of those are, are great places to find us. Um, Scott, uh, what's the best way for them to find you on social media? <laughs> Just text me or something like that. I'm, I'm <laughs> super old school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you can always send, send 911 to my beeper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we also were big fans of tin cans on strings. Uh, smoke stacks with blankets are good, too. So can I, can um, I fax but, you? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, carrier pigeon. Uh, Telegram. good for you. Yeah, tele- <laughs> oh, we love Telegram. Like, uh, we still hold on to saying ahoy ahoy. We don't believe in saying hello. So oh, very nice. Yeah, and so, um, but you can DM us at the Orange Years uh, if, you, if you feel so inclined to find out more about uh, my project, I guess. Like, you can go to at Adam Sweeney on Instagram. But the best way to get a hold of us definitely is to uh, follow us on the Orange Years, uh, at the Orange Years on Facebook and Instagram. Well, gentlemen, I, I want to uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining us tonight and uh, spending uh, more time than uh, we normally would. I say the the thank Orange you. Years at of Nickelodeon were a very weird and gross and magical time and you guys did a fantastic job capturing that thank you thank so much you. and uh well we look forward to, to listening to y'all more uh so uh thank y'all for, again for having us and uh um we hope that y'all have an uh, amazing time and anybody else who watches it uh, thank y'all for watching in advance all right well thank you guys so much uh we'll be right back Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidocubus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar Podcast Networks with new episodes every technical Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms.
And we are back. Uh, for those of you who did not remember, that was the theme to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, I, I love that theme. Very spooky, very creepy. Uh, it did its job. It did its job uh, the way it's supposed to, and I uh, was very happy with it because uh, it definitely set the mood, set the tone, set the atmosphere, all that good stuff. help if I turn my mic on. With that being said, would you say that's your favorite Nickelodeon theme song, or would it be something else? I mean, the Doug theme song, though very simple, uh, was also very good. Uh, And I gotta tell you right now, I don't remember the Ren and Stimpy theme song. Like, I just... It was just like a oh yeah yeah like that bass guitar almost like yeah, a less Claypool yeah, type uh, thing yes yes yeah okay okay now yeah all right now it's coming back to me you're welcome um I did like Rocco Rocco's Modern Life but no no do you know what the best theme of all time is fucking Danger Mouse that's what we're gonna wrap this episode with we're gonna wrap the, that's gonna be the theme we're gonna go from happy happy joy joy right into Danger Mouse. Because Danger Mouse is the greatest theme ever. Maybe not ever, but it's pretty goddamn awesome. See, I, I mean, awesome, yes, but is it as awesome as the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song? I think not. It's better. No. It's better. No. Are you ready, kids? Like no. that's all you have to say. Are you ready, kids? And like the rest, just it just it just writes itself. Children, are you adequately prepared? It doesn't have the same ring. Yes, to it. yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yes, Commodore. Indeed, we are. <laughs> so we have uh, we have a battle this week. Do we, we not? Do have a battle this week? And seeing as how we have a battle this week, we have a battle theme to play. So, Ashes, what do we got this week? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. The Throwdown Thursday this battle, Society. I call this battle neurotic for Nicktoons. We want to know, and this is going to be an open-ended poll, we want to know what is your favorite Nicktoon. So we're going to put some uh, suggestions in the little answer box, but... Feel free to add your own. And I know Twitter gets a little weird with that. So if you do decide to vote on the Twitters, just comment below. Let's start a thread. With the hashtag Neurotic for Nicktoons. Yeah, with the hashtag Neurotic for Nicktoons. So, I mean, obviously you could choose from and pretty much anything. Doug, Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, All Real Monsters, Hey Arnold, which we didn't even talk about Ed, at Ed and all. Eddie. Move it, football head. What'd you say? Ed, Ed, and Eddie. That was Cartoon Network. Oh, see, I didn't watch it, so I didn't know. I oh, never watched it. Oh, my liver. Oh, I, my lasagna. I don't, I don't know what the, what you're saying. Canadian squirt guns. Look it up. Ed, um, Angry Beavers, Cat Dog. The, the Wild Thorn 
cranberries. Mm, smashing. With the smashing voice talent of one Mr. Tim Curry. SpongeBob SquarePants, Rocket Power. Yeah, I never watched that one. As told Dave by Ginger, did. the Fairly Odd Parents. Dave liked that one, dude. That one was all right. Invader Zim. That one, that one had like it, they had like that one stretch where like everything looked the same, like all the animation was very similar. It was like, uh, like Kim Possible and and some of those other ones where like everything looked the same. Okay, but Kim Possible was not Nickelodeon. See, I never watched it, so I don't that know. That was the Disney Channel. Well, I just, I know that I saw the same animation over and over because it's very similar Call to- Call me, beat me if you want to reach me at the Disney Channel, not at Nickelodeon. I don't know. I never, literally never watched the Disney Channel ever, so I have no idea. I just know that I've seen similar animation styles because the, the people on that show looked similar. There was like another show, like- Cause like all the girls were drawn the same way, like in all of these shows, all the guys dressed the same way. Like they all looked the same. They just would give them like wacky hair and stuff. Like who was who was Powerpuff? That was Cartoon Network. Okay, that I did watch, but I don't remember. But I was gonna say, even if it was uh, not specifically one of the Nicktoons, but it's something like Count Duckula or Danger Mouse, which was long before Nicktoons came around. You can you can count that as well because it's Nickelodeon. Are you putting an cartoon. addendum in my battle? It's a it's Nickelodeon and it's a cartoon. We have to cater to our older audience who are roughly my age because I can guarantee you that a bunch of folks listening will be like, yeah, fuck yeah, Danger Mouse had the best theme song. Like, what the fuck's Eureka's Castle? You know, or like, what's that thing you said? Wibble wobble jim jam. <laughs> Gullah Gullah Island? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said it like five minutes ago and I still couldn't remember what it was. Wobble Wobble Jim Jam. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Neurotic for Nicktoons is the battle for this week. It's an open-ended poll. So let us know. What is your favorite Nicktoon? Yes. You will be allowed to vote for as many as you Nick, want. Nick, as well. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. So wait, I have a question for you before we wrap things up. Yes. Do you have any like weird memories of Nickelodeon? No, no I should rephrase that. Do you have anything that like you remember from your Nickelodeon days and you're like, how the hell do I still remember this? So obviously, like, you know, the Happy Happy Joy song doesn't count because, I mean, we all it's know Happy Happy Joy Joy. Yeah. You know, Log doesn't count. You know, all just like really like random, like like something a character said in one specific episode or, you know, a, a, a song that... Yes, uh, it's a it's a uh, it's an episode of Ren and Stimpy, and I don't remember very many episodes of Ren and Stimpy, but they're in space for some reason, and Ren is losing his mind, and he has like this bar of soap that he won't let anyone near, and he keeps referring to it as an ice cream bar, and he keep and he says people have been trying to take my ice cream bar, and he said it like that: ice cream, not ice cream, ice cream bar, since I was a child. And, like, he started eating it. Like, it was weird. I don't remember anything about the episode other than they were in space. Like, that's it. Like, and I remember him saying, I, I, this is probably 
24 years ago, 25 years ago. And I do remember there's one other thing, and I remember this because it was right around this time of year. I think it was Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. We were at my grandparents' house in Naugatuck, Connecticut, and Rocco's Modern Life was on because they put it on because it was a cartoon. So everybody, you know, all the all the kids, I was the oldest kid. Uh, and all the younger kids are in the living. We're all watching cartoons together, and Rocco's Modern Life is on. And uh, there's a kid like something happens, and it's like it's supposed to be like it's a Wonderful Life. Again, I don't remember the episode. I just remember this part, and it didn't even have Rocco or, or Cowberth and Edward the Beetle. I don't remember his names. Ed Bighead. Who's the Beetle? Philbert. The, the Beetle. Philbert. The turtle. Oh, I thought he was a beetle. Yeah, show, a turtle. Show, show how well I remember Turn that show. Turn the page, wash your hands. Uh, but Turn the page. It didn't have any of those wash guys. Um, it was just like this random thing in this. It's like dad, like because I had all those weird looking characters. The dad's holding a kid, and a bell rings, and he goes, "Oh, dad, teacher says every time a bell rings, a teacher gets his, uh, uh, an angel gets his wings," and the dad goes. Your teacher's full of snot. And my grandmother was like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> like, not exactly, but it was very similar. She's like, ooh. It's like you would have thought they just, like, you know, ate a live puppy, like the way she reacted. <laughs> like, it was nuts. But it was so funny because it was that typical gruff. Your teacher's full of snot. And it's just like. Her reaction, I remember that, and that probably was 1996. So it's <laughs> been a while. And, like, that, those two things. And you know what? I think I was watching that Ren and Stimpy episode in their basement because they had Nickelodeon. We would go. They would have us go in the basement because we were loud and obnoxious. I know. Hard to believe. I think that was the same year that I was... We, they had a dartboard, and Dan and I were playing darts, and I went and I threw it, and for some reason he decided to reach his hand up to take a dart out of the dartboard at the same time. And uh, my dart went into the back of his hand. Like, it didn't go in. Like, it hit and fell down. But, mm -hmm. of course, he freaked out. He was like, whoa, why would you throw a dart? Like, I told him I was shooting, and he was sitting there. He was off to the side, and then for some reason, as I was about to throw, he reached his hand up to take one of the darts out of the board. I don't know what he was doing. Like, that's not my fault. So, yeah. I'm like, do you really think I have the accuracy at, like, 13 to throw a dart at my brother's hand and hit him, but not have it puncture? Like, what are you <laughs> Maybe you were a prodigy. No, I was not. I was also not good at ping pong. So I remember during the summer, it was a couple of summers, that Nick in the afternoon, so it was uh, like a special thing during the summer, and it was hosted by Stick Stickley, and like he would, he would do his stick stuff? The show like he would he would say like the upcoming episodes and there would be like little bits and stuff in between and he would encourage kids to write to him like write letters and you know that's another thing about Nickelodeon they always encourage feedback like kids interaction they always wanted to you know really reach out and have the kids interact with them and I just thought that was great but um, when he was telling kids to write to him he had this little jingle and I don't know why 
but I remember the song. And I'm sure people right now are singing along at home with you. So, so I'm going to sing it. I'm going to do it. Ready? Write to me, stick stickly. P.O. Box 963, New York City, New York State, 10108. And I'm sure people were singing at home along with you because that's just a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, that's that's our our show for this week. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed that. Orange, you glad you tuned in? Yep. um, Yep. um, We salute you. No. Hey, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the. uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, the interview uh, because I learned a lot. Absolutely, pick this up. Um, it, it it is available as of today. Yep, it comes out. Uh, the the it came uh, out this week, the seventeenth. Yes. So we know days. I'm trying to think because we always record this ahead of time. So it came out Tuesday the seventeenth. This is the nineteenth that you're hearing this. Uh, oh, at the earliest. So it's been out for two days. Grab it. It's a fun watch. Uh, you you learn a lot. The Mark Summers microphone thing, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That that story was good. And this is the only way you're going to find out what was in the powder they threw in the fire at the Midnight Society meeting. Right? Like, my mind was blown. I had no freaking clue that that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it? That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's stunningly that's simple it. and at the same time, uh, I never would have guessed. I yeah. never would have guessed in a million years. So, uh, check it out. Uh, rent it. It's on VOD. I know that there are physical copies coming soon. Um, it's definitely worth it. I mean, what else are you doing with your time right now? Better spend it reminiscing. Yeah, like think about the good old times, and you know, remember. Like this is the second time we're watching a documentary, and these guys really, really had a great time interviewing their childhood. Like you know. Their crushes like Melissa Joan Hart and Larissa Olenek. What was fantastic is we had the opportunity to chat with these guys a little bit off air before we had to let them go. Mm-hmm. And again, thank you so much for joining us, guys. That was fantastic. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to, to chat with us about this project. But uh, they kind of fanboyed a little bit and kind of gave us a little more information about some things and it was really cool like it you know it's really awesome to see things put out by people who love what you love so not only is it cool when an actor portrays a character that you love and that actor also loves the character that they portrayed and you kind of have this mutual love for this one thing but it's really cool when somebody puts out a project like this you know a documentary and the reason why they decided to to do something like this to to undertake this huge project is because of this love that they have for this specific thing and the fact that it's something that I mean I don't think I know a person who doesn't know what Nickelodeon is you know who hasn't watched a Nickelodeon show who hasn't been affected by this television station you know at at some point in their life so it's really cool to kind of have you know to meet someone and have a mutual shared interest already 
Yeah, and the fact that, you know, they're as passionate as we are, but, like, they were putting it together. Like, if it's – someone is like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll make a – I guess I'll make a documentary, but it's like, no, let's make, how do we do this? Like, and some of the stories they told, like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Who else do you have? Uh, see, if that was me, I would have been like, you're the first person I approached. I wanted to start with you and have a solid foundation. And I would have said that to every single person. And be sure to follow the Orange Years on Instagram because they're posting some fantastic stuff, some giveaways. You can win some signed memorabilia. Yeah, and that's definitely something you'll want, especially uh, you know if you're if you're a big fan. I was actually looking, you know, I was curious. People like three D print some of this stuff. A piece of the aggro crag that someone three D print, not a real piece, but someone something that somebody made. It's going for two hundred and fifty bucks on Etsy. Really? But, I mean, it looks legit, but, like, it's not. Like, I wish – that's the trophy I wanted. Like, that and the Stanley Cup are the two hardest trophies to win in all of sports. So I'm just saying. I actually went to – so once upon a time, they used to do these, like, Nickelodeon Live events. And I think they – well, you said you went to Double Dare. I did, and uh, it was a live thing, and they were pulling people out of the audience, and they pulled people that were right in front of me. I didn't, like, I was so close. And I remember going, my, my parents took my sister and I to Guts Live, and they were also pulling people from the audience, and I didn't get chosen, unfortunately, but it was really cool to, to be there. And Mike O'Malley was there. I don't think Mo Quirk was there. Oh, but, they um, that place. Uh, but I think one of the other... Like, cause they had a couple of different like announcers and stuff. I know Michael O'Malley was like the head guy, uh, but he was there, and they had like a, a version of the aggro crag that the kids had to climb up at the end. And I don't think that I, I don't remember if the winner got a, a the trophy. Or if they get, they got some, they got something. I did, this was this was a long time ago, but I remember being there and, and thinking that it was so cool. And then, oh, we saw Rugrats live for my sister's birthday. That's one a hell year. of a strain on the animator's wrist. <laughs> yeah, no, it was people in Rugrats. Oh, costumes. really? They, they didn't like, just animate it live. <laughs> Yeah, like it almost looked like mascot costumes. I mean, it could have been a table read, but I mean, it could have. But I feel like you know, for kids, it, that might not. For adults, that would have been really enjoyable. Well, if they had to have like, the voice talent, there. what's going on in the background, but, so the kids can watch the cartoon. Know, um, but that was that was pretty cool. That was interesting. Um, I will say, you know, now that you're th you know, you're saying this, you know, something that kind of struck me as you were talking about. Uh, the the uh, you know guts and everything, I think that people were very nostalgic for that, and that's why we have American Ninja Warrior. Like, think about how no, people were nostalgic for Legends of the Hidden Temple. I think it's a, that's a little bit of both because you have to climb to the top of this thing and then yeah. hit hit and, the and button and then steam comes out. Yes, that's that's Legends of the Hidden Temple, and that's guts. That's what it is. It's that American Ninja Warrior is the culmination. That's Nickelodeon. It's if those shows grew up, mm -hmm. that's what they that's what they became when they grew up. Uh, and if anybody says different, fight me. Well, I, I, and a little just a, just just a, just a little bit of American Gladiator in there. 
So American Gladiator was like your older cousin that was on steroids. <laughs> Just remember they had really cool names. Like Store Macho <laughs> Testoster Balls. <laughs> There was one they 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 made fun of it on The Simpsons when they were doing like the Village of the Damned thing and it was like Luann Van Houten is cheating on her boyfriend Pyro with his best friend Gyro and like they're like how could you do this after all the battles we fought together and like they pulled out like the double ended like uh like the 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 paddles that have like the pads on both ends where you would like stand on the little uh platform and like try to clobber the shit out of each other. The things that look like giant Q-tips. You know what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, so join us again next week because this is going to wrap up uh, our show for today. Um, make sure tomorrow to check out uh, the uh, uh, the Loudest Sports Show because there's some fun stuff on there. Uh, Emma gives a very stern correction to Dan, and it's one of the funniest things. She did not tell a joke this week, and I was very disappointed. But, uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, we've got some good stuff coming down the pipe. So, uh, with that being said, we, we will, will see you, you next, next Thursday. Stinky Whizzle Teats. This is a song about a whale. No. This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Now, boys and girls, let's try it again. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. If then you ain't the granddaddy of all liars, the little critters of nature. They don't know that they're ugly. That's very funny. A fly marrying a bumblebee. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, 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 happy,